welcome to the Inspired by Her podcast with me, your host, Zoe Richmond. I'm going to be bringing you weekly stories from my own business journey and experience and some other amazing, inspiring women in business to talk about their successes, their failures, their money, mindset, and how we juggle all the things, or not in most cases, to inspire you on your journey to living the life you desire and building a business that aligns with you. So let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Inspired by Her podcast. This week, I have a wonderful guest joining me, Sam Winch. I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Sam. So say hello and thank you for joining me. Super excited to have you on here. Hi, I'm Sam. Sam Winch, the course creator, not the lunchtime food, because if you say it too fast, it causes problems. Thank you so much for having me, Zoe. So I am, yeah, I create online courses now, which is kind of where I've ended up. Um, And that looks like a whole variety of things with clients from working out the strategy and the planning to mapping the content to building the tech and the platform. Um, The job is really, really varied depending on the client. And I love that. Like I like the fact that it's, it's always so different. Um, So yeah, that's, I build online courses. That is. And like in this day and age, right? Like what a job, but I think some people think that it's just going to be so easy. They're like, I've got this idea. I'm just going to like sell it and people will buy it. And in reality, that's, kind of not how it works right which we're going to talk about in a little while um but I'd love to know sort of like before you start like how did you get to be creating online courses what was your (laughs) what's the journey to get there accidentally is how I ended up creating online courses completely accidentally so my my journey is not smooth by any means um I'm a uni dropout I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school. So I was doing a double degree at a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Planning, nothing to do with online courses. Um, And I didn't love it. So I dropped out and I went to work at Kmart instead. So that's, um, and I worked there for about six or seven years. And I ended up, I was in management by the time I was about 18 and just spent many years in retail management. And um, it's it's a long story, but what happened is my now ex-husband went to this course about how to be a, a trainer and a facilitator and hated it but was talking to the guy running the course and was like, oh, my wife would be really good at this. And I went, well, how good? We're looking for a trainer. You reckon she'd be a good fit? And so I just went along and had a chat and ended up with a job. And that's how I got into the world of face-to-face training and facilitation and building courses. And then over the years, the natural transition away from that had kind of been to start running my own business and start building my own courses. And then it's been a really fast transition over the last couple of years from face-to-face training to online delivery, just because of the way that the world works and the way that entrepreneurial space is moving. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how it happened, but I think I've always been a bit sort of side hustly, like, you know, when I was um, younger and I was always looking for earn extra cash and I was delivering Avon catalogs for a while and, we had a, um, a small business that was an online retail store that sold wargaming miniatures and we ran tabletop events for guys to come and play with all their like, wargaming miniatures. So um, there's always been something going on on the side. And so when I kind of shifted from retail to this and then did some coaching and then moved to online training, it's, I think it's just the way I am. Like I shift around from thing to thing and somehow end up somewhere at the end. I don't know. That's just how it works. Which is super refreshing, isn't it? Because so many people think that they're like, I'm going to map out the next 10 years of exactly where I want to be and how I'm going to get there. And in reality, that's really not how it works. Like we are constantly chopping and changing. We're exposed to different things, different opportunities that we could never have imagined drop in front of us like someone approaching you about being a trainer like 
Yeah. And look, I'd love to be one of those people that has a really clear 10-year plan and knows exactly where they're going. Like I sometimes I wish that was me. I'd like, I wish I knew what I wanted to do when I grow up. Like I still have that. Like I don't know what I want to do when I grow up feeling. Um, and maybe it will be courses and maybe it won't. I just don't know. And I I've got some friends who had that life plan. Like they went to school and they wanted to be a doctor and they studied at uni and that just worked for them. And that's awesome. Um, and I kind of sometimes wish it did for me, but that's not, that's not me. Like my life changes too much. And, you know, I got married and then I got divorced and I had two kids and then I had two kids to another partner and like everything just shifts. And I never, like I never set out planning to be the kind of person who got divorced and remarried and had extra kids. And if you ever asked me if I was going to have four kids, I would have just laughed at you. Like I didn't think I was the kind of person who didn't know with four children. So but I couldn't have planned any of that. That's just stuff that kind of happened. Yes. And we were talking about this a little bit before about how like in the schooling system, it feels like back when, well, when I went to school, it was like you were channeled into university and then you were like, that's your career and that's what you're going to go and do for the rest of yeah. But that's not always the case. Like if that's what you want to do, great. But there's so many more options available now and you don't have to follow the one path that everyone else is doing. <laughs> Yeah, and things are so much more flexible now. I mean, I think gone are the days of the era when, you know, you had one job and you worked in that thing for your entire career and then you retired. And and sometimes it was even you worked in the job that your dad worked in or your mum because, like, it was a sort of a family heritage thing. Like, you took over the business from your dad or whatever. And, you know, those days we just we have so much more opportunity now. The internet means so many things are so more readily available. Um, education, I think, at the moment, especially in Australia, we're really lucky to have things like HEX, which make it possible to go back to uni or to take up uni when you might not have the funds to pay for it up front and that means you can shift and you can change and I think that we're really privileged at the moment that we have those opportunities available to us to just go eh, I'm kind of curious about this thing over here like what would happen if I did that yes yeah because we spend so much time working like realistically we want to make sure we're enjoying it and as we go through life, like our interests change, our life stage changes and what suited us five years ago may no longer fit in with the lifestyle that we're living or the things that we want to accomplish or where we're just where we're at in life. Like, I mean, I'm sure the uh, goals and the, the plans that you had when you had no kids versus when you had four kids is probably <laughs> looks a little bit different. <laughs> Even between the middle two, so there's about nine or ten years between kid two or kid three. Like I've got two older ones, they're um, 13 and 11, and then I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So there's a big gap. And so what had happened is I had two kids and kind of just thought this was life, and I started a registered training organisation, which is like a privatised TAFE. And um, then I sort of life just happened and years passed. And then um, I got married again had more kids. And what had happened was I was in the middle of being audited. So I had a five-day-old baby on my shoulder while I'm trying to fill out all of my audit and compliance paperwork because it was due that day. And if it wasn't submitted, we'd be closed down. And I just kind of went, this is not right for me anymore. Like mm -hmm. running an RTO was fine last year or pre-pregnancy and pre-next yeah. baby, but I don't want to be doing this anymore. This isn't right for me and my life anymore. And I just had this, you know, that epiphany moment. I just sat at the table crying like trying to fill in compliance paperwork trying to deal with a crying baby I'd had zero sleep for like five days mm -hmm. and I was like this is we need to close this and I had to contact my business partner because I was in a partnership at the time and just be like this is not for me like what is the exit plan for this because I need out and I need out sooner rather than later I can't do this anymore um but that like yeah I didn't know that until it happened yes but so often I think we stick with things because we think we should 
They're like, oh, well, mm. I'm in it now, so I've, I've got to see it through. But the reality is, like, it's probably better for everyone involved. If you had have tried to stick with that RTO, you wouldn't have been able to show up and deliver like you could beforehand. So it's not really doing anyone any favours, really, is it? Like, if you're sticking with something just because you should do it um, rather than because it's actually what is right for you. Yeah, and sometimes it does take a while to work that out. Um, you know, I've been in situations in the past where I was like, mm, this doesn't feel right, but I've pushed through. And kind of, and sometimes I'm glad I did. Like sometimes it's hormones, sometimes it's lack of sleep, sometimes it's just you just don't make clear decisions. But sometimes you do. And I like I don't have right answers for that. Sometimes I just know my heart of heart that I can pull something quits there and then. And sometimes I go, look, I'm going to stick it out for six months and see what happens. And then hopefully I'll have better mental clarity to make a good decision. Um, and there isn't a right or wrong with that. Like if it's super toxic, leave straight away. If it's not as toxic, but you're just not loving it, maybe give yourself some space and go, well, hang on, is this right? Let me see. Let me see what happens. Um, but yeah, you don't have to stick with it just because. Yes, which is something that I'm trying to like share because I think it is so important to really get the most out of like, get one life, right? So we may as well make it bloody good. <laughs> it's so true. Um, there's actually at the top of my notepad at the moment, I've just written across the top, life is not a dress rehearsal, which is, um, yeah, that's my reminder. That is such a good, I love that. It's just a little short, short and sweet, but so punchy that like, yeah, it's not a dress rehearsal. We don't get a second chance. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Can you talk us a little bit about how you create courses for people? Because like, I feel like if any year there's going to be a ton of people out there that want to create a course, 2021 is going to be the year. 2020 saw a lot of people try this and I just feel like there's going to be a lot more now that are like, hey, I want in on that too. Yeah, and that's really fair. It has been a whirlwind for online courses recently. Um, so it always starts with strategy. And for me, this is like anything. It's, you know, if you want to open a business, if you want to build a course, if you want to do anything, we, I nail down with clients the strategy. So it's why? Like, why are you building a course? Who are you building it for? What do you want to do with it? Like, do you want a $27 tiny offer and you're going to have to sell it to thousands of people to make any money? Or do you want a $10,000 high touch program, but it's going to take a lot of your time and effort to run that thing and really give people the value they deserve? Um, and so there isn't a right or a wrong when it comes to courses. There are lots of different ways we can build courses, but it, it really nails down to what are you trying to do? Like, what? Why do you want one? What do you want it to do for you? What do you want it to do for your business? Do you want to be tied to delivering lots of one-on-ones or delivering lots of group training? Or do you want it to be self-paced so you don't have to do anything with it? Um, and those questions just come down to really knowing what you want from your business and from your course. And once we've done that, we can kind of then work out the rest of it. So um, we start with content mapping. I get people to really map out their ideas and we break down what is this grand big idea into tiny little bite-sized modules and lessons. And then we go away and produce the content and, and fill in the text to back it up. But I find that a lot of people jump in at the, well, two points, they either jump in at the content, they like start frantically recording videos and producing PDFs, but they haven't really, yeah. <laughs> haven't put a lot of thought in before that. But the other thing I find is people get really obsessed with the tech first. And it's like, well, hang on, that thing comes last. Like, it do, I don't know the answers to that yet. And especially when it comes down to platform, there are thousands on the marketplace now. Most of them are pretty good. Like, they'll do what you need them to do. But sometimes it's a decision that comes down to specific things you want to achieve. So do you want to 
assess your students? Do you want multiple choice quizzes? Do you want to issue certificates at the end automatically? Like some of these decisions help us decide platform. And I, you know, you might end up with a platform that doesn't issue certificates. So you'd have to manually email out PDFs every time and that's a pain in the ass. So it's questions like that, that we don't necessarily know at the beginning. Like I can't necessarily say, yeah, everyone should put their course on and Kajabi teachable because sometimes it comes down to the specifics like well what do you what do you want it to do for you and what do you need it to integrate with and what email platform are you using and then we can make a good decision about course platform but yeah go way back to strategy and decisions first because it will make all of your life and all of your questions on the way through heaps easier to decide yes and I've heard a few people talk about this before about um don't create the content before you've sold the course what's your like thoughts around this like because I feel like this is a strategy that's getting sold um mm. a lot of people and I do tend to agree in that you kind of need to test the market to make sure people are going to want to buy it right <laughs> yeah look I'm torn the marketer or the business side of me is like yeah of course resell like I want the money in the bank so I've got money to build and I want to know that it's going to work and the course developer in me goes no way terrible idea because courses take so much bloody time to build. Mm -hmm. And so what I normally come down to is like a halfway compromise, which is what I suggest clients do is that they map out all their strategy and they build module one, and then you can pre-sell. And what that means is that you haven't put a whole heap of time into building all your content, but you've got a good understanding of how long it takes you to build a module. And if that thing took you six weeks to build, well, then you can't really pre-sell and sell them that module two will be in their inbox next week because you can't deliver that. Um, and I've been there, right? I've pre-sold a course and then only to have to push back delivery date because it took me longer than I thought. Like mm -hmm. I, even as a course creator, like I know this stuff and I still did it. Um, and a client I was talking to just yesterday had pre-sold a big program and he's now two weeks behind original delivery date and he hasn't recorded a single video yet. So like this thing, this stuff happens, but I completely get the need to validate the idea and to get some cash flow into pre-sales. So normally it's at least create the first bit it means that you can give them something when they buy so they don't get cold feet, they don't freak out about their purchase, they get access to pre-content or module one or bonus content and you have a really sound understanding of how much is involved, how long it's going to take you and when you can realistically deliver the next modules rather than sort of promising something that just isn't realistic in terms of time frame. Yeah, yes, yeah, which I think is like a lot of people do underestimate how long it actually takes. <laughs> to build a course yeah. like it's like I still, knowledge <laughs> yeah I still underestimate like day in day out I add things to my to-do list and I'm like oh gosh I got all those things and you know halfway through the day I'm not even through like part of my list I was like there's no way I'm going to do all those things there's not a hope in hell no. so yeah like even no matter how much I do it I still think that I can process the content faster than I can and I just I just can't it doesn't work that way yeah I think most of us are programmed to over like commit ourselves to our to-do list to like be like yeah mm -hmm. I can launch this course and sell it and create it in six weeks that's totally doable when in reality we've got kids and we've got you know household things that get in the way and all sorts of curveballs that get thrown at us that uh prevent us from doing what we actually want to do <laughs> which yeah. is frustrating and <laughs> It is, it is. And look, sometimes it is feasible. Part of it depends on your existing business model. Like if you've got lots of face-to-face -face stuff with clients, it's going to be hard. You're going to need longer. If you've got a busy family life or kids at home, it's going to be hard. You're going to need longer. If you can realistically put aside a couple of weeks, you might be able to smash it out. 
Um, but I think really building that module one helps you see what is feasible rather than just hoping that you can smash it all out in a couple of weeks. And I have a lot of people who I see offer two week or three week pre-sale windows. So they're like, all right, pre-buy it now, it'll be ready in two weeks. And I was like, mm, two weeks is tight. Like two weeks is really tight. So um, yeah, it's, it's about understanding what works for you. And there is no, I don't have a right answer when it comes to like, how long will it take to build? I don't, I don't know. Like, how big is it? How many modules is it? How many videos is it? How much time do you have in a day? I don't know. Like, yeah. But it will take a while. Yeah. And I guess it depends on like, like what you're saying about, do you want the $27 short course, which is probably mm-hmm. not going to take as long to build as a high ticket offer that's got a lot more higher touch, that's maybe got more modules, that goes for longer. That's obviously going to take a lot longer than putting together one of those shorter courses. Oh, for sure. And there's, there's still a place in the market for both. Um, I don't know about you, but my newsfeed is full of lots of sort of tiny offers. Got really popular for a while, these $27, yeah. $37 <laughs> tiny offers. Um, and that's fine. There's a place for them. And th- but there's still a place for the big programs too. I mean, a client I was talking to just recently, he's got nine modules that are all broken into three phases. So what's that? 27 modules plus an intro and an outro. And so he'll be 30 modules all up, honestly. Um, but it's a big program. It's a 12-month guided supported program. Like it, there's a place for that in the market too, but it's about knowing like what, which one are you building? Because yeah. often I find clients is like going, like, I'm going to build a tiny offer. And then they're trying to put a hundred videos in it. I'm like, this is not a tiny offer. This, this is none of this is tiny. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I guess, and this is the other thing I wanted to ask about, like the, I'm just really understanding the transformation and the result at the other end first, rather than mm-hmm. like building out all of these modules. But then what, what is it that they get at the end? Like what's that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's the one, like you've nailed it there. Cause that's the one thing we normally start with is what is the outcome that you're trying to deliver? What is the objective of the program? And you should be able to write that in a sentence. Like mm-hmm. that should fit in one sentence on a post-it note, stick that bloody post-it note to the laptop or to the wall next yeah. to you or something because like everything you build from here on in should meet that objective. Like if you're recording a video, do you need to? Like, does it help them reach that thing? And if it does, awesome. And if it doesn't, if it's like fluffy extra or bonus material or kind of nice to know, but they don't really need it, then just don't don't add it or keep it aside for bonuses or put it somewhere else. But um, we think we've all been conditioned to add content to add value. Right, mm-hmm. so we try and create more and more and more. We pump out more podcasts, more blog posts, oh God, yes. more posts, and we do it with courses too. Right, we're like, oh my god, I have to record more videos, add more PDFs, make it more worksheets. Like, I have to add more, more, more. But the truth of the matter is that we're actually doing a disservice to our customer when it comes to courses if we add more because just more bloody things they have to work through. Like, mm-hmm. they don't really want to watch a hundred videos; they just want the outcome that you promised. And if you can get them there in say ten videos rather than 30 that's heaps better for them because they don't have to put as much time into just watching you on a screen they can really implement what they've learned take action get results so it's actually it feels really wrong from what we've learned recently about give value give value give value but it's in your best interest to build the shortest course possible because it will help them get to the results part faster than to build something longer just for the sake of adding videos to add value I am so glad that you said that because I feel like everyone's trying to like the those $27 offers that we keep seeing in our newsfeed they're like jamming them full of stuff and I'm like for $27 I don't want a hundred modules I don't want a hundred things I just want something short and sweet and we get caught in this like trying to give 
everything like give everything in the kitchen sink and and mm-hmm. yeah you're right we don't need more content we are so over like done with content that is just my brain feels so full right now of, like mm-hmm. the podcast that I'm listening to the trainings that I'm part of like even just listening to people on Facebook lives like we've we're all inundated with content that I think um yeah less content but higher results great <laughs> yeah it's all the action and something you mentioned there as well was um about including everything and the kitchen sink and I think when we feel that we have to, right? We've got so much value to give and so many ideas and so many thoughts and we try and put it all in, but it doesn't fit. Like all of the gold inside your head wouldn't fit in a course, not a course, because you've just, you've got so much in there. You've got a lifetime worth of experience and things that you've done and things you've learned and things you've implemented and learned from. And that whole lifetime's worth of stuff doesn't fit in one program. Like it physically can't fit, but we find that we're trying to do that. We're like, oh, but I know all these things. And I want to teach them all these things. It's like, we, you can't, like it, it doesn't fit in that course. So instead, that's why we come back to that outcome and go, okay, well, they just want to reach that outcome. What do I need to teach them to help them reach that? That one thing, nothing else in my brain right now, that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And focus, like that focus and intention, because I'm sure there's a lot of good content that they've got in their brain but it may be three courses not one big giant course (laughs) oh for sure it might be half a dozen like it it might be and there's other stuff in there too that you just have to kind of filter past that is really valuable but just isn't isn't right for a course maybe it's right for a mastermind program or maybe it's right for a book but it's just not like it's not actionable enough it's not relatable enough whatever it might be um I like to think of courses as they're about results like Mm -hmm. end results so every piece of content that we deliver, it's like, well, what do you want them to do with that? Because knowledge for knowledge's sake is fine, but we've got knowledge for knowledge's sake. We've got content for content's sake. Like, what do you want them to actually do now that they know the thing you just taught them? And if you can't clearly tell me what they're supposed to do now they've watched that video, then the video doesn't need to go in the course. I love that. Like, I feel like that's a really good way of framing it. If someone was out there trying to build out their own course, like that is such a succinct way of being like, does this need to be in the course or does it not need to be in the course? (laughs) Yeah. And that even applies to welcome videos. Like I see you get into a course and I see all these videos about like, who am I? Like I'm Sam and this is what I've done. And this is my experience. It's like, why? Like I've already paid for the program. You've got my money. I don't, you don't need to know anything more. Like you trust me enough. I trusted them enough to pay them. So I trust them enough to deliver the outcome. Otherwise, I wouldn't have handed over my cash. Like a short welcome video, fine, as long as it leads to an action. Like now that they've watched you say welcome, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to go join a Facebook group? Do you want them to, like, what do you want them to take action on in the welcome? Mm -hmm. But it's like, we miss that opportunity straight up. We give them this big welcome. But what do you want them to do now they've been welcomed? What's the next step for them? Yes. And time is so precious these days. Like everyone is time poor. They don't want to sit there and listen to a 10-minute welcome video where you talk about yourself. (laughs) No, no. And you see the same complaints about webinars too. Like you've signed up for those free webinars with the first 30 minutes of them talking about themselves. And I get it. They're positioning their expertise and whatever else. But like uh, it's the most common frustration I see about people attending webinars is that so much of the webinar is dedicated to about the delivery and about the person and not about like actionable content. Mm-hmm. And it's a sales strategy. I understand it. But especially then when it comes to your course, they've paid you. They're already in. So take away any of those frustrations you see with the free stuff and really focus on what they paid you for. Yes. That is awesome advice. Awesome. I really love that. Instead of like overindulging our our poor clients and overwhelming them with (laughs) too much stuff, let's 
keep it simple. Like go back to that old kids principle, right? Like keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> keep it simple. So I would love to know now, you kind of touched on this. You don't have a like a one course platform that you would recommend. Do you have a favorite though to work with? Like out of all the ones out there? Um, it really depends. And I look, I get this question a lot. Um, my content is on member vaults and I love it because it's really affordable. It's super easy to use. It's flexible. It's fast. Like I can create a course in minutes, give me 30 minutes and some content and I've got a course running. Like it, it's so fast. Um, and part of what I love is it's a family run business. The guy, the um, husband and wife team who run it is still actively involved in the community and because of that if you've got an edit or a change or a thing you wish the platform did and you raise it as a concern they change it wow. like I've seen changes and I've seen changes happen in hours like I've seen someone raise something in the community and be like hey there's this glitch and this thing does this and I don't think it should and I've seen them change the code and update the platform in a mere matter of hours and then the results be announced um, and you don't get that responsiveness in any of the bigger platforms at all like they just don't do it so that's really cool however it's not for everyone it doesn't have great assessment features it doesn't issue certificates um it doesn't send emails you have to integrate it with your email platform which integrates really nicely with email platforms like active campaign and convert kit and some of the others but if you if you don't have those if you're not already paying for an email platform then that's a downside so I love it for me and it's a good fit for me, but it wouldn't be a good fit for everyone. Um, yeah. And I think that's the case of course platforms. And just be wary. Like if you ever go into a big Facebook group and ask them like, what course platform should I use? Like they don't know what course platform you should use. I'm sorry, they just don't. So just be wary of the advice you get. Like definitely take it on board and go and have a look at those platforms, but then make a decision about, oh, hang on, does this do the thing I need it to do? Like mm-hmm. what do I want from it? And is it going to do those things? Yes. Yeah, because there's like, it's like that showing of object syndrome, isn't it? We get caught up in like thinking that we need to have the best and shiniest website platform that does has all the bells and whistles. But realistically, you don't need all of those things to launch your course. Then you don't need to go for the highest price platform or, you know, whatever. No. And I see that a lot with um, Kajabi as an example. Kajabi is a great platform, um, but it's one of the all-in-one course platforms. So it also does your website and it does your landing pages and it does your sales funnels and it does your emails. And, and that's awesome if you need it to do all of those things, mm-hmm. but you're going to pay for that privilege. So if you've already got a website and if you've already got an email marketing platform and if you've already got these other things, why are you paying for it? Like, what are you paying for? Um, so yeah, I don't have one right answer, but it is a case of going, also probably knowing there isn't, a right answer there are hundreds of course platforms around and most of them are pretty damn good like if you pick one you will be lured you'll, get, you'll see all these people talking wonderful things with another, another platform you'll be like oh my i've got the wrong one but the truth of the matter is you probably don't like it probably do you fine um you know give it a go sell some courses and, and try yes yeah that's exactly right so yeah i think it, we can be easily swayed by other people i'm like oh but she's over here and and maybe i should that's maybe that's where i should be but yeah taking into account all the different things that you need that is um yeah yeah the world. <laughs> understanding as well that um a lot of it has comes down to sales and marketing so like you'll see someone over there selling millions of courses and making millions of dollars and you're like oh my god i'm not doing that because i'm not on that platform and it's like well no they've just got really good sales and marketing like you can make millions of dollars wherever whichever platform you're on but you need to do the sales and the marketing oh like i god. wish yeah courses sold themselves magically overnight but they really don't like you still have to put in the work 
to sell that program. So don't be lured by someone else's big figures because it's not the platform that's giving them the big figures. Yes. Yeah, I see that a lot um, because I build websites on Kajabi. And I see that so much where people are like, oh, what's your experience with the, like, you know, with the, with the um, conversion on this page versus this page or, you know, with this button like this or this button like this. And it's like, well, I don't know if the button is going to sell your course. Like if it's a crap course and you've got crap marketing, then no one's going to buy it regardless of what that button looks like. Yeah. And sometimes it can make a difference. Like um, a friend of mine launched the other week and she was getting pretty good conversion rates anyway, but her sales page wasn't converting as high as she wanted it to. So mid-launch, she changed some of the copy and some of the layout and some of the structure to change. Her, but but she had that data. Like she was sending the traffic there. She could see the numbers. She could see what her percentage conversion rate was. And she could make a decision about whether she wanted to try making some changes to improve that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not getting the traffic and your conversion rate is 0% because zero people are landing on the page, or you've got five people landing on your page but your conversion rate is 0%, it's probably just because you haven't had enough people to the page. It's not necessarily the page. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is very good of us. But we get caught up in those really small minor details instead of looking at the big picture and the strategy and the marketing and the sales and like, and all those other things that go into it that um, yeah. Yeah, they're all like one big ecosystem that kind of need to work together. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's business in general. Like a course just fits in as part of your business strategy and, um, it's not a magic ticket. It's I, look. I wish it was. I wish I could. I wish I was the kind of person who could just come here and go. You're going to make a million dollars overnight with an online course. But um, <laughs> it's not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not realistic. Like you can make good money with courses. You really can. But you have to then stand. It's part of a bigger picture. You need the marketing. You need the strategy. You need to understand where it fits in your business. You do need a good sales page. Um, you know, you need these pieces. The course won't just magically fix all your problems for you. It'd be nice if it would because it's like I know, a right? dream like working especially in the ones that aren't run like the evergreen models like working less but making more money that's everyone's dream right or most people's dream and courses are like the gateway to be able to do that a lot of the time yeah and it, yeah and it does work like you can I can wake up in the morning to sales and PayPal where someone's bought a self-paced program I don't have to do any more work the content is there. They've paid overnight. They've got their content. I've got their money. Everyone's happy. Like mm-hmm. you can do that, but it's not going to make you an instant millionaire. Like there's, there's stuff that goes into making that happen. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. So if someone was starting out, they're dabbling in the course creation industry. What would be like your one piece of advice for that person that's just starting out? Like where should they start? <laughs> uh, take a deep breath is my first piece of advice. inhale exhale no my first piece of advice is probably really now those strategy questions like who are you building it for what are you trying to build um what is that one outcome like nail those questions first before you jump in any further Mm -hmm. take a couple of days to nail the strategy because it's going to make every decision easier and it's going to make the answers to questions better as well like when you go into a facebook group rather than just blindly asking what platform you can be like i want to create this program i want it to do these things what platform should i use and you're going to get much better answers to those kind of questions yes that's gold i really like that and i think yeah like getting really specific and clear on what it is that you're trying to achieve is yeah in I mean in regards to anything in business right like you've got to, you've got to know where you're kind of going where's that where's that next step going to take you rather than just saying like oh maybe like over here <laughs> yeah and I'm sure you've seen it with 
websites all the time. Like if you know what you want your website to do or what you want your homepage to be, but if you just go, I think I need a website. Like that's, that's the biggest minefield you can possibly step into that things are just going to get so lost and confused because you've got no strategy and no strategy and you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the website builder's worst nightmare when someone's like, I don't really know what I want it to look like. I just, I just want a website. Right. Well, that's not helpful at all. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Look, this chat has been so wonderful. You have got so much amazing advice. Where can people find you if they need, because I feel like I need to hire you to help me with like what's in here, getting it out there, but where can people find you? So there aren't a lot of sandwiches online, luckily. So you can find me at Sandwich on most platforms. Um, and my website is www.sandwich.com.au. So that's by far the easiest way to get a hold of me. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. And I will be sure to add links into the show notes so everyone can come and check you out. And yeah, thank you again. This has been so, so helpful. So helpful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for sticking with me right to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, I would love for you to share it with a friend and it would just make my day or let's face it, my year if you went and left a review over on iTunes so I can get these inspiring stories into the ears of as many women as possible. I will catch you all next week for another episode of the Inspired by Her podcast. Thanks for listening. (music) 